This episode is sponsored by Efficient Business Solutions, your one-stop shop for technology. Quick podcast with Tom today. Tom McDermott. We talk about transfers. We talk about Manchester United. We talk a little bit, tiny bit about Spurs, but you got a good show coming up. So let's do this. have Mourinho you can't just win trophies like that man <laughs> how you been true, how you been yeah, good, man. Yeah, you know, mixed out a little updated in the last few weeks um, I think I think you're right actually I think Mourinho is the specialist isn't he in winning, winning trophies but that remains to be seen at Tottenham I think for Solskjaer I think since January he's actually started to look like a Manchester Manchester United manager and sound like a Manchester United manager but I think just tactically in the game against Sevilla there were one or two Concerns, but I think he could always come back at me and say that you know we don't have the players and we don't have the squad to to make those big changes. I always always go back to Liverpool last year as, as a Manchester United fan. That's that's quite painful to say, but in the semi-final, Origi came off the bench and scored against Barcelona. And I think, in fact, no, he didn't. He didn't come off the bench. I think he started the game due to injuries. But certainly in the final against Tottenham, he came off the bench and, and, and scored. So United need quality in numbers and, and Liverpool and City have that and um, I think at the end of at the end of the day Solskjaer's got to look at it and think we've got Greenwood who is a teenager we've got Rashford who is perhaps running out of steam and we've got Martial who's delivered probably one of his best seasons but other than that certainly in those forward areas there isn't a lot to, to, to bring in Agarlo has been good but he, he, he's definitely not a starter and Dan James just seems to have lost his way and then the defensive issues have been well documented you and I have talked about this on, on podcasts uh, many a time, but um, I think I think the squad is an issue, and, and ultimately that's what what cost United against Sevilla. So, can can I just bring the elephant in the room up and just squash the conversation after we're done? Do it. How many penalties, man? <laughs> we used to get when Sir Alex Ferguson was manager. Used to think um, the argument, especially from sort of Leeds United and Manchester United, uh, sorry, and Liverpool friends of mine, was that. The referee would always play an additional number of minutes until Manchester United scored, and if that wasn't the case, they'd get a penalty in normal time that they probably didn't deserve. And, and and it's kind of like that now. I think, look, United have got quick and nimble players that attack opponents and, and try to draw them into fouls into the penalty area. I think if you actually look at them, and I'm trying not to be biased, the majority are probably deserved. There's been one or two. I think the one at Villa, you could probably raise a question over, but in general because of the pace and, and the sort of trickery United have got. Uh, th- th- there aren't too many, I don't think, that you, you wouldn't call penalties, but um, certainly the record is um, is quite something, really, if you look at penalties. But then, you know, they need to be scored, and if you have that many penalties, people and the opposition do their analysis, and they know where you're going, and I think that Bruno's penalty, particularly against Sevilla, top corner with a little hop, skip, and a jump he does before, and that's, that takes some doing. But I mean, at some—I mean, listen. 
you're right. There are a lot of them that were deserved. And, and you have to put yourself in that position to get the penalty, right? You have to put yourself in the position where you're playing attacking football in the opposition's box in order for you to get fouled and get a penalty. Yeah. It's, it's just that when people start seeing record numbers of penalties given in a season, it raises yeah. a little bit of alarms, doesn't it? Yeah, no, you're right, yeah. Tony Cascarino, to, for the uh, UK listeners and, and obviously you international listeners, if if they can get online, they might have to subscribe. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, but Tony Cascarino does something in the Times in the UK today, and he breaks it down quite nicely, actually, and he talks about drawing people into fouls and saying that other teams will look at Manchester United next season and, and maybe play on it. He's basically saying that Manchester United have forwards that go down quite easily when they feel pressure or they feel a challenge on the legs. And for, for whatever reason, this season... It seems to have worked, and I think we've all got players. Teams have got players. Yeah, every so every team in the Premier League has a player or two that would would go down easily in the, in the penalty area. So I don't think it's a Manchester United thing, although the the the, uh, the record is slightly alarming um, if, you, if you're, the, you're an opposition team. But I think the Manchester United, you know, have players that yeah will go down if they feel like they've got a touch. But I think that there are other teams as well and most teams in the, in the Premier League I don't think a manager would ever say go down and take a dive but I think if you feel a bit of contact in the box such are the rules these days I think it's, it's far easier to get a penalty and I think that we'll see next season and more teams sort of dare I say look to exploit that is it, the exploiting it is not an issue I think that really what it boils down to Tom is that if you're a team that's going to get that many penalties you had to have won something. Like you're, you're. I'm not saying you're being given goals, yeah. but you're being given opportunities to put games away. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like you had an opportunity yeah. against Sevilla, and you know that against Sevilla, Sevilla is a very good team. I, I think that this tournament is Sevilla's tournament. If you really thought, like, like everybody says that the Champions League is kind of like a like a Bayern Munich or or a Real Madrid tournament. This is a Sevilla tournament, and you knew coming into the semifinal that they're a really really good team. You can't miss an yeah. opportunity like that, and they made you—they punished you. You missed the penalty, and they punished you. And, and any reasonable team, European team or sort of Premier League team, will, will do that to you. you. You saw against Lask, the home game against Lask, Manchester United were pretty much through. I think it was five and up from the first leg, but Lask caused United problems. Copenhagen in, in the in the quarterfinal before Sevilla caused Manchester United problems because Manchester United probably weren't clinical enough, but. Sure, Manchester United have got. I think is yes, they missed a lot of chances and you know went out severe on, on Sunday evening. But I think Manchester United's problem is is in defence. And if if Manchester United are not scoring goals, the defence is nowhere near good enough to keep a clean sheet. And we've seen that. We've seen that against decent opposition several times this season. I wouldn't say Manchester United. Look, listen, there's a lot of talk about Jadon Sancho coming to Manchester United, which undoubtedly, if, if, if Manchester United had had Jadon Sancho on uh, on Sunday evening, they probably would have won. But at the same time. Jadon Sancho is not going to stop the problems in the back four. He's not going to stop the sort of positional frailty that Lindelof and, and Maguire showed. So there are issues at United all over the pitch. And yes, three semi-finals, impressive. But Manchester United, if they're getting to three semi-finals, you've got to ask why they're not winning trophies and getting to the final, winning actually doing that. So we'll see. We'll see what happens this summer. But certainly, there's some work for Solskjaer to do. And Three semi-finals is good, but for Manchester United, I think any team, really, if you get into three semi-finals, you need to get to the final at least once in, in, in one of those. 
Speaking of uh, defensive breakdowns and, and stuff, I, I do want to segue and switch to Barcelona simply because you and I don't have a dog in this race, but when we see a, a perennial powerhouse like a Barcelona just completely implode and, 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 and go through what Bayern put them through, you start thinking questions, but then if you really start looking back at the last, I wouldn't say three, four years, you'll start noticing the decline already. You'll start noticing that they're really not investing heavily in players. And I think that the 8-2 against Bayern is basically the straw that broke the camel's back. As you can see, uh, I'm, I'm getting rumors and reports that Messi doesn't want to be there anymore. Uh, from what I heard this morning is that Barcelona's putting up maybe 80% of the team up for sale because they want to rebuild. How do you... And I'm, I'm, I'm asking you this, and, and, and I'm not really taking a jab at Manchester United, but I do see Manchester United over the last five, six years in a rebuilding process after Sir Alex Ferguson left. And it's very, very painful to go from one of the best teams in the world, and Barcelona still is, to realistically what may be over the next couple of years an average team. I, I mean, I want, your, I want your opinion, first of all, on the 8-2. And what what's happening with Barcelona, in your opinion? The, the, eight, the eight two is alarming, isn't it? You know, if you look at the talent on the pitch, fair enough, they may not be the best anymore. Several of them may be sort of dipping over the edge, but you've got to you've got to look at the, the players' commitment to the manager there, because there's no way that, however good Bayern were, that they're not you know an eight two team. You know, they're not six goals better than Barcelona. They shouldn't be. Another manager could have come in there and perhaps motivated, set up different tactically, and I even look at Messi. You look at Ronaldo when he's not, and, I, and, I've, and I'm, you know, I'm to see both. But I, I've always thought that Messi was the, was the better player, and you know, people debate about that all along. But I don't think Ronaldo would, even if he's having a poor game or the team is playing poor, he's always desirous to score a goal. And I didn't really see that from Messi. Messi just kind of, I don't like saying it, but he looked like he, the ball was going one way and he was running the other way, and he looked like he gave up slightly. So that's never a good thing to see when your players are doing that. But I think that there's a lot wrong side of 30 Messi is the exception to that because he's you know he's, he's Lionel Messi but you look at PK Busquets people like Luis Suarez how much have they got into got in the tank and you look at Coutinho comes on and, and performs how he does Griezmann was on the bench they, they haven't sorted out a position for him their recruitment over the last four or five years has been nothing short of catastrophic because there's players Dembele as well there's players like that that could probably come in and under the right management and structure and team culture could come on and do it you know help them there's so much talent there still. So it's all right saying, as I point out, that they're of a certain age and over 30. But actually, there's players in that squad that are, in, or, or that are available to them or are out on loan that, that they could come in and use and, and help. And it's just been a mess from start to finish, I think, the recruitment. So that's an issue. But rebuilding, yeah, I think they've got to have one eye in the next three to four years of really coping with outline or Messi because he can't go on forever and... You mentioned United, Alex Ferguson, we're still recovering from that really. We've made several big errors, managerial errors, player errors, um, tactical errors, everything. And it's such a, such a difficult thing to do. And you know, any advice of any business is to, to plan for your most valuable asset moving on. And I think Barca, I don't think he'll go this year, but I think it needs to happen soon. So my, my question here is because you guys went through a rebuilding and, it, and it's painful. It really is. But it's also painful financially, right? Because... Yeah. If in the event 
I, I, I don't see it happening. But if in the event that Barcelona misses out on Champions League football, one yeah. of the years of the next three, four years, it, it you want to talk about a catastrophe, that's a financial catastrophe from a branding perspective. Now, the Spanish league, I think, in my opinion, is weak enough that Barcelona could probably squeak in a top four in the league. But in the event that they miss it, that sets them back another two, three years, kind of like what happened with United. Well, that's all they talk about, isn't it? They, in, in, in Spain, they, they want to win the side that Barca and Real Madrid, well, Real Madrid probably slightly more than Barca, but Barca out of five they want to win the Champions League every year. That is what they live for. Like Brazil, when the World Cup runs around, Brazil wants to win that World Cup. Now, I know England want to win the World Cup, but you know we, we don't have the players and, and that kind of passion. A lot, of, a lot of people in England are club before country. In, in Spain, if you play for Barcelona or Real Madrid, you are expected to win the Champions League. Whether you like it or not, that's what you've got to do. So for them to be out of it, forget the finances, and that is obviously what leads things these days. But so for the fans and the players, it's completely unacceptable. Completely unacceptable. Slightly different in England because obviously Manchester United competition at the top end of the table. There's more than just sort of two, three teams. Yes, City and Liverpool are streets ahead, but Spurs, Chelsea, you know, Arsenal, where they get, you know, things sorted. Ancelotti with, with Everton. So, but certainly from a Barcelona point of view, for them in that league to be out of the Champions League would be an absolute disaster for them, I imagine, on and off the pitch. So, let's shift back to Manchester United. Um, because I'm pretty sure most of the listeners that that are listening to this want to hear some stuff about Manchester United. What's the latest you heard on Jordan's uh, Jaden Sancho? I don't think anything's moved on. I think Dortmund have a, a fee in mind, which a fee that Manchester United are probably prepared to pay over a period of time. I think the initial payment and the structure of the deal is, is what's holding people up at the moment. And I think until that gets sorted, I think that United and, uh, and Dortmund will... Um, will disagree and continue to disagree. The, the balance out for United is that they need to sell players if the Jaden Sancho deal goes through to raise for future funds. So do they, two things, abandon the Sancho deal and, and put money on maybe a central defender and another midfielder? Or do they keep plugging away at Sancho and hope that Dortmund either you know, relax their demands or United ease to what Dortmund want? It's, it's a balancing out because I think does Dortmund, does Sancho's arrival close the gap on City and in Liverpool, to be honest, I'm, I'm not sure that he does. It may do by five or six points, but he's certainly not going to go from 66 points to the to the 80 or 90 points United needs. So it's a big job for you, know, big job for the for the club at the moment. Big balancing act. The funds are probably not there as many many fans expect, but at the same time, United need players and they need players quickly because if Jaden Sancho does arrive and it's just Jaden Sancho, then there's a there's a problem in store because United need more than Jaden Sancho to close that gap and. Overall, we've seen, as I mentioned, the games against last Copenhagen, even times against Sevilla. I mean, I think Timothy Fosumenta came on, Dan James came on. These players are, you know, they're, they're good players, but Manchester United need more quality on the bench than, than the likes of James and Fosumenta, I'm afraid, if they're ever going to think about, can think about closing that gap on, on, on City and Liverpool, because the chasing pack behind United, United are closer to that chasing pack than they are to the, to the leading runners in, in Liverpool and City ahead of them. And the chasing pack is getting better, as you saw. As Spurs, we, we yeah, we signed Hoiberg. Um, I think Joe Hart is a decent signing for a lot of logistical reasons, but that's not going to move pieces basically. But other teams behind or in that pack are are also trying to make up the difference. With that said, 
I know that there's banter online, and we went through it with Twitter, and I even threw something this morning. What would you do with De Gea? I'd sell De Gea now. I'd sell De Gea, especially with the the coaching staff has a decision to make. Do they? Who's going to make the least mistakes over the season? Is it De Gea or is it Henderson? And there's probably not enough. Uh, much, sorry, there's probably not much between the two of them. Now, De Gea isn't what he was two years ago, so you're not looking at 100 million. But if you could get 40, 50 million De Gea, that would make a huge difference to Manchester United's transfer budget. And that sounds ridiculous given the size of, of Manchester United and what they bring in. But if Manchester United are, are serious about closing the gap on Liverpool and City, they need they need more money to spend on players and they need that they need to do it this this window because like you said, the likes of Tottenham have already, you know, strengthened. Carlo Ancelotti at Everton, is he genuinely gonna sit there and, and, and not really strengthen his squad and, and make do with the Everton of last year? Arsenal again, Chelsea, Chelsea being active already in the in the transfer window. There's Nuno at, at Wolves, done a great job there. He'll spend more money on players so United really need to, there's an opportunity here for United to, to make their mark and I think that if it is by selling players rather than sell somebody like Pogba because I think Pogba demands, would demand a huge fee and I don't think there are many teams that will pay that given the, given the, you know, the circumstances across the world. I think I'm looking at Dyer and thinking, is he past his best? Probably so now. It's been 18 months, maybe two years since he had his best form. It's more than a little blip and I think that if you could get him out of the door and, and, and generate some funds then from a business and football point of view, it it might, it might just work, although I'm not sure that will happen. Watching the, the semi-final, um, I have to ask questions about Lindelof. Uh-huh. And, and then I'll have to ask you, is he still good enough to play for a United squad that's trying to challenge? He's probably a, he's probably a good squad player, but he, he's not a first-choice Manchester United central defender, in my opinion. You've got Maguire, Lindelof, two and Zabi, Eric Bailly, um Rojo, Jones, those guys there, there's five or six central defenders. I, I, I'm not completely sure I trust any of them. The probably best central defender, or in terms of reliability, has come back in Chris Smalling. Now, Chris Smalling has his faults, but actually Chris Smalling in one versus one situations and in, and in terms of being a mobile central defender, he's still very good. And he's an improvement, in my opinion, on Lindelof. So maybe that'll save Manchester United money there. But while Manchester United have that, sort of selection of the central defenders available to them, then they can be as good as they like in the final third, and, and Sancho can come, and, and whoever else can come, but until they get a, a central defender um, of the sort of level of, the, uh, of your man at Leipzig, who, whose name escapes in the moment, that is what they need if they're going to make that make that jump, and, and, and until United you know, do that, unfortunately, I think they'll be third place is the, is, is the best they can hope for in the Premier League. So let's let's assume that Jordan uh, Jaden Sancho is not going to go through. Just just out of assumption. I don't think that United is a small club that that's they're basically putting all their eggs in the Sancho basket. Has there been any talk about anybody else coming, whether Sancho comes or not? Grealish. I know that United wanted Grealish in January. Grealish knew about the interest. Grealish was also aware of Manchester City's interest. I think Pep Guardiola at that point knew that Sané was moving on, he knew that David Silva was going to move on, now they bought in Torres, but I know that Grealish um, will potentially be open to a move to one of the Manchester clubs, he did an interview with Sky Sports um, at the start of lockdown and, and they asked him who his, who his sort of hero was and who he looked up to in the Premier League and he said Kevin De Bruyne and I just think with Grealish he's 
fee that, that they're talking about is issue, I think, £80 million pounds for a person who has never played Champions League football, never played senior game for England, is a lot of money, but this is what you have to pay for British players, it seems. Um, so I know Grealish was one that was, was always linked to Manchester United. And then there's Raul Jimenez at, at Wolves as well, again, a forward who I think would be an upgrade on what United have got, because United also have to be mindful that Igalo is going to leave in January and go back uh, to, his, to his parent club. So... There's lots and lots of little things, and we talked about central defenders, of course, um, that United need a, a pressing, and I'm not sure, you know, next season Greenwood will improve, Rashford will be there, Martial will still be there. Is Jadon Sancho an improvement? Absolutely. Would he score goals? 100%. But he doesn't solve some of the issues in other areas of the team, so I wonder if United will eventually make a decision if they can't get, say, Jadon Sancho, and I believe they will, but if they don't, if they can get him and Dortmund don't, sort of relax their demands I wonder if Manchester United may look at a couple of other players in, in other positions and uh, it wouldn't be surprised me if they reignited their interest in, in Grealish but if you get Grealish is that the answer to your season because I don't think one player is going to do it for you I don't think one player no, closes you know, the gap United need, three. United need three players at least I'm reading comments online that United need to sign three world class players well they're not going to sign three world class players they when was the last time Manchester United signed three world-class players? I, I, I don't know when that was. You know, they have signed world-class players, but certainly not three in one window. It'll take a central defender, a central midfielder, and a wide forward, I think, for them to have a, a, a good window. But I, I just don't think that the, the, the funds are available unless they sell somebody. Now, will that be De Gea? Will, could that be Pogba? I'm not so sure. There is talk that Pogba is feeling a lot happier at the moment and that he would sign an extension to his existing contract. I think for the first time in about 18 months, the sort of discussions between the two teams, parties of United and Pogba's people have been going and been going well. So that might be seen as like a new signing, but you need more quality in there because Manchester United had injuries to Rashford and Martial this season. If next season they have injuries to Pogba and or Bruno, who comes in? You're very thin. It's a big problem. You're very thin. It's a big It's, 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 it's a problem. It's a big problem. So, to get Sancho is great, but actually, from a, from a business and footballing point of view, they need to get another two at least. Biggest name on the United team that might leave this summer, that you're kind of resigned to the fact that he might leave, if you had to put some name on it. The, the, the trouble at United is the wages these players get. So, Phil Jones will not get what he wants elsewhere, probably. Lingard won't. Marcus Rojo won't. Now, these aren't the biggest names, but if it takes a big name to go, I just wonder if, as I mentioned him, De Gea sort of edges ahead of Pogba on that. Because I, I just feel that he, he probably won't rediscover his greatest form now. It's been two years. It's not just a little blip. And I just wonder if you could get 50, 60 million for him from a PSG or a Juve or whoever needs a goalkeeper, I just feel that he could be the one that's sacrificed. I don't think there's many clubs around Europe that will spend 80, 90, 100 million on Pogba this summer. So I think that's probably unrealistic and probably why he's more open to, to signing the contract extension. The hair on the other side, you know, he, he's on big wages too, but you've seen with Alexis Sanchez, if, if United want to get somebody out of the door, then they, they're they prepared and capable of doing it. And, I, and I'm not saying the hair is the favourite to go, but if you want him to push me on a big name, I'd probably say the hair ahead of Pogba at the moment, in my opinion. And now there's no sign that that's going to happen. But we have got Dean Henderson and Romero that are ready and waiting to play instead of him. So we'll have to see. But to put someone like Henderson in, in goal for Manchester United, 
behind this, the sort of back four in its current state, I think, is a is, is a risk as well. So whatever they do, is, is a, you know, there's there's issues with it and there's potential pitfalls. But I just think that United need to make a decision on, on one of these big players because ultimately they're going to have to sell a few to, to, to you know to finance other deals, and that's if Sancho comes in. Nice. Where are you watching the finals this weekend? I'll be sat at home, probably with a cold beer, watching it. And I think that we're looking at Champions League, Europa League. I think we were looking at a... I don't think we're going to see an all-German or an an all-Spanish final. Uh, Sorry, French final. I expect Bayern now. I think my tip was Atletico Madrid to win it. I think the... um, they were well beaten and rightly so, but I think we're looking probably at Bayern to win the win the Champions League, and uh, I'm going to stick with Inter Milan to, to win the Europa League, even though Sofia a big United. I think that Conte he knows what he's doing. I think he's a very very clever manager, and I think that he'll uh, they'll have too much for Sevilla. Uh, does it hurt you if Lukaku wins it? Do you know why it doesn't actually? Because you look at his goal record at Manchester United, and he got lots and lots and lots of stick. It, no, it doesn't. He just sort of like wrong time, wrong place for him, I think. He, and he, he scored goals at United. He's, the Italian league seems to suit him. He's got a manager who believes in him. The team's set up to play to his strengths and good luck to him. And I think he scored 33 goals now in his first season in Serie A. There's only one player who's done that in Milan previous to him and that was Brazilian Ronaldo all those many years ago in the 90s. So that just gives you an idea of, of how many goals the guy's scored and, and how well he's doing. And no, I'll be pleased with him. I think he's He's found a club that works for him. He's scoring his goals. He's playing in a, in, in a league where the um, the demands in the next couple of years will see the real Lukaku maybe because they'll be expected to challenge Juventus. I think they finished a point behind Juventus. But I hope he does well and, and, and the same for Ashley Young and, and even Alexis Sanchez. I, I hope they do well. But I, I just think that Inter Milan, with the squad they've got, Godin, Conte as manager, Lukaku, Martinez, you know, all these guys, fantastic players, great experience. I just expect them to be severe when they when they meet them in the final, I think. So I think I'm going to do like a live cast um, for both finals. So I'm just going to pick do your it. brain and give you a call during it so uh, so I can get your commentary on stuff. Absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. Excellent. Tom, I'll, thank I'll get it. I'll get, I'll get it wrong, but I'll do it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, whatever whatever Tom guesses who's going to win, just bet the opposite if you really want your money back. And you, you'll be a rich person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tom, thank you so much, man. Drive safe. Enjoy your trip. Thank you for coming on. We'll definitely talk uh, this weekend. Bye, mate. Bye, mate. Bye.